Hello and welcome to The Static Traveller with me, James. Hello and welcome to the first official episode of The Static Traveller. So the podcast where I speak to travellers of the past and the present and let them tell you in their own words about the adventures or their adventures throughout this amazing world. So let's dive right in and meet our very first guest of The Static Traveller. Now today's guest was in the Navy for 24 years. He's now retired and he has literally travelled around the world from Europe, Asia, the Middle East and Northern Africa. So, Scott, hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Perfect. So, um, I've just given you a wee introduction there, um, as you just heard. So, why don't you tell the, everyone that's listening uh, a little bit about yourself, um, and maybe you could go into a bit more detail than I just have there. Okay. Uh, so I'm originally from, uh, the United States in Nebraska. Uh, for, if you, I don't know whether you guys are as bad at geography as we are out here <laughs> for other countries, but that's basically right smack dab in the middle of the United States. So is that, uh, is Nebraska, is that cold when I think of Nebraska? I think uh, yes. Winter, there are definitely four seasons out there. Uh, lots of snow. <laughs> We lived four hours from the Rocky Mountains where I grew up, which meant we got four times worse weather than the Rocky Mountains got. So, uh, But I grew up on a farm out there uh, until uh, a, a long story, but ended up uh, joining the Navy when I was 18. Uh, got immediately stationed. My first duty station after I'd went through the technical schools for the Navy was in Italy. Okay. Uh, town called Gaeta. Uh, when I was there, we bounced around a lot of different places. Uh, some of them were pretty nice considering we were the flagship for the Navy in the Mediterranean. So mm-hmm. we got to, to go to some ports that no other ships got to go to because we had the Admiral. So you're feeling pretty lucky there then? Oh yeah, absolutely. Got to see some beautiful, awesome places. Uh Bounced around while I was in the Navy. Uh, we were, I, I had a little accident in Italy, broke my neck, transferred back to the States, got it fixed. So uh, how did that happen? <laughs> actually, it was cliff, cliff diving in Italy. Uh, I hit mm. the bottom uh, while doing that. Uh, there's a nice cliff out there in Gaeta. I highly <laughs> suggest you don't go dive off of it. <laughs> uh but I came back to the States. They fixed that and uh, transferred from there. Did some time uh, on a, another ship uh, based out of Norfolk, Virginia for about five years where we did one Persian Gulf cruise uh, where we hit, I think, one port on the way to the Persian Gulf and then one or two on the way back. Uh, tra- transferred from there, went to... Pennsylvania, where I was a recruiter for a while and got married while I was there, took orders to a ship that was in Hawaii. Uh, I 
when I was based out of Hawaii, that's where I got to do a lot of uh, the Asian uh, countries, uh, okay. back to the Persian Gulf, down to Australia, uh, Djibouti, which I'm sorry if you're from Djibouti, but I've got to say it is the armpit of the world. <laughs> uh Seychelles was one of the islands we went to on the way there, down to Australia. I would love to go to Seychelles. It it was gorgeous. Uh, When I was on the ship uh, down here in Norfolk, uh, went to one of my favorite places in the world, uh, which is St. Martin in the Caribbean. You will not find water more beautiful than there is down there. Uh, I have been to the I've been to the Caribbean um, or the Caribbean as we say. Sorry, um, myself and my wife we got married um, about a year and a half ago. Um, Congratulations! Thank you. Um, so we done our honeymoon. We went to New York, and yeah. then from New York we went over to Jamaica, and it was just out of this world. Yeah, it, it's it's gorgeous down there. They've been hit with a lot of. Uh, rough times lately with all the hurricanes rolling through there, but I fully believe they're going to recover. Yeah. Um, let me just get some stuff there. So I just want to jump back a bit. Um, so we've had a, a wee bit of an intro there. So um, I feel like there's a lot of stuff we could maybe, you know, go into a bit more detail there if it's all right with yourself. Absolutely. Um, so you kind of, you know, you said that you, as a child, and then you, you kind of just jumped right to the, to the Navy. So tell me about the in-between part. How did you get from, you know, your small town into traveling the world with the Navy? Uh, so, you know, I, like I said, I grew up on the farm. Uh, my mother's side of the family is, is from Northern California. My dad's mm-hmm. side of the family is all from Nebraska. Uh, he was a farmer by trade, grew up on the farm. Uh, what kind so, of farm was it? Uh, we had cattle, uh, pigs we did uh wheat dry land corn and soybeans primarily Ooh. on our farm so we, we were the small guys on the block i think we were 1200 acres maybe <laughs> so uh, you know the next closest to us was probably about 2500 acres but Whoa. uh but we we did a lot of farming uh come <laughs> but Towards when I was about 16, 17, we actually lost our farm, uh, took a real hard hit with uh, a storm that came through, wiped out the crops, couldn't pay the bank notes, so we lost our farm. Uh, moved Stop. into town. Uh, I got to, in, in that time, growing up, uh, about every other year, every three years, we would drive out to California. My dad didn't like to fly, so we'd drive. Uh, and... So I hit pretty much all the states from Nebraska all the way to the West Coast, California. Wow. So, so what, what about holidays? So what was the, the first holiday you can remember? Uh, so I'm assuming that your version of holiday is our version of vacation. Yes. Yes. Ah, see, I'm, I'm, I pick up on things. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really don't know. I we We didn't travel for holiday uh we usually stayed the farthest we traveled was over my grandparents house which was about five miles away Uh, uh, so we didn't really our idea of vacation was going out to california 
to see my mother's side of the family. Well, I, I think I would still include that as a you know a kind of vacation holiday. You know, I mean, I know in Scotland, so you know, I don't always go abroad. Sometimes, you know, we'll go up to the north. Um, you know, we've done myself and my, my wife. We've done um, and my, my little girl. Sorry, um, we've done the North Coast Five Hundred this year, or last year. Sorry, so it's it's round the top of Scotland, literally up to Land's End at John O'Groats. So that was that was really something special this year, eh, last year, sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, change of state. Surely you've got to think of that as a vacation. Uh, yeah, and it was. It, it was a chance for us to you know get a break from farming, and uh, you know we we would stop out in Colorado and Denver. We'd go down to uh, there's a place in the United States called Four Corners where you can stand in one spot and be in four different states oh, wow. at the same time. Uh, it's, I think Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, and maybe Utah. I forget what the four are, but, uh, we'd go through Nevada. Uh, we, we never went to Vegas. Uh, my dad avoided (laughs) Vegas like the plague, but he loved the city of Reno, which has pretty much everything Vegas has except for all the glamour. Yeah. You know, we get out to California and go to uh, Sacramento, which is capital of California, and we do a lot of things out there with the family. So it was, it, it was, it was holiday. Uh, it was a learning experience for a good old boy from the middle of nowhere on a farm. So. <laughs> a bit of city living. Say again. A bit of uh, city living. This may be my accent. Uh, I'm a, a bit of uh, city living. Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, it was you know because growing on growing up on the farm, all you want to do is live in town. It seems like my kids now that I live in the city, all they want to do is live on the farm. So it's always the opposite that you want. So let's jump a wee bit forward. So maybe about ten years. What what was it like there? Uh, in my teens. Oh, 10 yeah. years. Uh, you know, once we, uh, uh, the town I grew up in, what well, when we moved to town was 8,000 people. And we were the biggest town for at least an hour, hour and a half drive. So uh, it, it was pretty boring. Uh, you used to drive up and down Main Street, meet all your friends and do things you weren't supposed to do, you know. Uh, but then once I joined the Navy, I really got to start traveling. Uh, I went to boot camp in Orlando, Florida. Uh, my technical schools were outside of Chicago and Illinois. So how how do schools work, you know, for yourselves? So, uh, here we would go, you know, primary school, um, secondary school, and then, you know, whether you want to go to college and then on to university, university or you could then you know go from high school to university if your grades were good enough right so uh, here in the states the way it works is uh you go to uh, you start out in preschool before kindergarten uh usually about five years old six years old you would start in kindergarten progress through first grade etc uh in elementary schools until you get up to ninth grade is when you switch over to high school uh, and then 
towards your junior senior year now you're looking at college based on grades based on uh well honestly whether you got the money to afford it too i'm Mm -hmm. dealing with that right now with my oldest uh (laughs) so you know if you decide that you want to go to college or a technical school as in a trade school Uh uh, you uh, apply to the schools get accepted figure out how you're going to pay for it, et cetera. Uh, I decided rather than I, I, I'm a smart individual, but I was lazy. I didn't want okay. to go to school anymore. So I joined the Navy instead. It got me out of Podunk, Nebraska. And I thought it was going to keep me from having to go to school. I was wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, joining the Navy, um, what what was your reason for that? Was it was it to see? Was it to get out of of, of Nebraska? Was it to travel? Was it? Uh, yeah, the primary reason was to get out of Podunk, Nebraska. Uh, I don't know. You guys got the word Podunk there? Uh, no. Middle of nowhere. <laughs> Nothing. All right. Okay. Smallsville. Oh. Right. Okay. Uh, so I just I. I knew that if I stuck around there, I was going to end up being a farmhand for somebody or driving a truck or uh, I was just, I was never going to get out of Nebraska basically. So uh, I wanted to get away from there and go explore and find my own self, I guess. Nice. So what, so you just kind of said there, you know, what, what made you want to travel? You know, you wanted to leave this, the small town, you know, head out to the world. Did did you find it hard to make the leap and, and to leave everything behind? Uh, that's kind of a tough question because yes and no. Uh, my parents were going through a divorce at the time, so it just added to the reason why I was ready to get the hell out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to leave my mom and my two brothers and to have to fend for themselves, basically. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was a little hard in the fact that I was leaving, but at the same time, I, I needed something different. So it wasn't too bad. So, you know, if someone came to you and said, right, Scott, I want to travel, you know, I'm not too sure about, you know, leaving everything behind you know whether this is the right decision you know what would what would you recommend for people who who want to do it but are maybe just that bit too scared to make that jump well my my first thing would be well what are you talking about traveling short term or are you talking about like bouncing around the world for years you know it's not as hard to to just walk away for a week a month knowing that you're coming back but yeah. if you're planning on traveling long term and bouncing around, then there's a lot more thought that goes into it. So, uh, I I guess it, it would just be I'd say you just got to weigh your your feelings and thoughts. You know, I, I've said a million times over the past forty seven, almost forty eight years <laughs> that uh, you know you can have the greatest job that you hate. Well, if you hate it, then it's not the greatest job. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes there comes a point that you have to make a decision based on what you want, not necessarily what is the best looking option, but what helps you the best. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Um, so, you know, when when you initially left home, how how did you feel? You know, you're 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 left the small town. You're now in the navy. You're traveling all over the world. I mean, it must have been a mixed bag of emotions there. Uh, yeah, actually, I it was primarily excitement. So you have to have to remember that you know being for me being from the middle of the United States, being with no real outside uh, knowledge of the world other than what they taught me in high school. Uh, you know, there was some trepidation going to some of these foreign countries. I had preconceived thoughts about the type of people that was there. Uh, 98% of those were debunked, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I And... <laughs> So kind of touchy subject, but, you know, I grew up in Nebraska and I didn't know where I grew up at. I didn't know stuff like racism. I had never been exposed to it. Uh, And being in the military and going to different cities within the United States, I started learning these things. So I I started learning a lot about these different areas and different things fairly quickly. And it's a lot to take in. Uh, all while trying to learn your job, brand new job, and you know meet your requirements for being in the military. Yeah. Uh, uh, so there, there was excitement in going to these foreign countries. Part of it was, you know, think of yourself as being on a cruise where you have to work on the ship, right? So pulling in someplace was always a positive. It didn't really matter where it was because it meant you got to get out of work for a while and go do something. <laughs> and then we went to Djibouti and that changed. But uh, it's it's definitely, you, you start looking forward to the next new thing the more you travel, I think. And the things that you hear about that are so awesome and cool to somebody may not be an awesome and cool thing to you. Mm-hmm. So... You know, we we'd spoken a wee bit, you know, just before we we went live. Um, you know, you, you were in the navy for twenty four years, so you have, you know, as you say, travelled around the world. Um, you know how I, I know I said about twenty four years. So I mean, how how long were you travelling for? Uh, you know, I've I've never done the math, and I keep saying I'm going to. Uh, I I don't know if you or into tattoos or and whatnot, but uh, most, a lot of tattoos have uh, naval nautical backgrounds, uh, stuff like if you see a person with a sparrow tattooed, that's uh-huh. a, a, the, the origination of that was a nautical uh, thing. It was for uh, a certain uh, sailor. Once he had traveled a certain amount of miles, got a sparrow, uh, right. you know, and there's a uh, North star or a compass was f- a naval one that was uh, always to be able to guide you home. Uh, pig and a chicken on tattooed on the feet was uh, supposedly was because they're the only animals that can't swim that were shipped around the world. So they would put them in crates. So they floated if the ship sank and uh if you tattooed them on your feet, then you would never drown. So there was all kinds of things like that. <laughs> and I keep saying I've got to, I've got a bunch of tattoos and I keep saying I've got to look into that so that I can get my art on my body updated to the proper stuff. But I would, I made 
Oh. On, well, I consider my first ship in Italy. That was six months, basically, of being deployed. Uh, my second uh-huh. ship, I, I did two six-month deployments. That's a year and a half. Uh, so when you when you first done you you done your first deployment. So where where did you you know where were you posted first? Was it Italy? You said. Uh, yeah, Gaeta, Italy. Uh, when I was there, we bounced around the Mediterranean, Greece. Uh, we went to Kos and Corfu, Greece. I think we went to Rhodes. We went so to what, Turkey, etc. Uh-huh. So what? What? Um. You know, when you got to Italy, you know what did you? Did you just leave straight away and hit the, you know hit the water, or did you uh, spend some time there? Yeah, I didn't really. I I thought I was going to be there for at least four years. So you know, doing the touristy, going to Rome and stuff like that wasn't high on my list. I I did like three weeks after getting there. I did go on a ski trip to the Alps that the Navy organized, and we went and did. But really, that was the only touristy thing that I did because I thought I was going to be there for three, four years and have plenty of time to get up to Rome and then I had my accident and <laughs> had to leave. So was that the accident, was that, you know, something you did in your spare time when it happened or was it, you know, part of a drill? Or? Yeah, no, it was it was uh, in leisure time. We got back from being gone for a month, went down to the beach that we always went to and decided to go jump off the cliff that we always jumped off of and found out little too late that while we were gone there was a big nasty storm that shifted the water 35 Mm. foot cliff 15 foot of water became a 35 foot cliff seven foot of water so so were you the first one to jump then actually i was the second one but the first guy went feet first i went head first oh okay so how long were you out you know action after that um, the Navy put me on limited duty for six months. Uh, they flew me back to the States to Bethesda, Maryland, where they fixed me. Okay. Uh, and then put me on limited duty for six months. And I was in Washington, D.C. pretty much for that whole time. Uh, and then that's when I took orders to my next ship, which was based out of Norfolk, but it was a brand new ship. They were still building it. And they were building it in Maine, which is uh, where one of the largest uh, shipbuilders in the United States is, Bath Iron Works. So we went up there and uh, worked up there while they built it. And then we came down to Norfolk, Virginia to be on the ship. And we all of our workups for deployment and our testing, et cetera, et cetera, happened down the Caribbean. So. So once you know, once you've 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 you flew back home, you've you spent a bit of time in Italy. You know, you've had your your you know your horrible. Well, I say horrible, but you know your your dreadful accident. You know where you've you've came back. You know the, the navy have spent some time with you. Sorry, no, that's okay. Computer just lost it. <laughs> uh, after I got back from Italy, what, what were you saying? Sorry, yeah. So you, you've you've you know you've you've had your accident in Italy. Um, yes. You know you've you've came back to America, back to the states. Um, you know you spent a bit of time there. You know recovering. So what what was the next step from there? 
that was after I had recovered and I was fit for full duty. They offered me orders. Actually, I kind of wrote my orders because I was working where they issue orders from. Uh, <laughs> and that's where I took the orders to the ship that I went to, the uh, USS Laboon. Uh, it was a guided missile destroyer, brand new ship, only the seventh one of its type. And that's what they were building up in Maine. And uh, that's where I started working on that. So my primary job in the Navy was uh, a missile uh, technician, I guess would be the best way of putting it. My job was called gunner's mate. And okay. so I dealt with small arms uh, and specifically missile system that we use, which was a brand new missile system at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have gun type gunner's mates who do the big guns and whatnot. But I was a missile guy. Nice. So uh, I'm guessing you won't be able to tell us too much about that. Um, uh, but, you know. No, it's, it, there's there's not much. I mean, yeah, there's stuff I'm not going to talk about. But it, it was a missile system that launched missiles vertically. Uh, all the systems before it primarily had launched horizontally. The missiles uh, handled tomahawks. It handled surface-to-air missiles, so surface-to-surface missiles. Uh, even surface surface to subsurface, so uh, the different type of rocket that we used. But uh, we uh, was on the ship, and we uh, when ninety five, I think it was when Desert Strike happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were the first Arleigh Burke destroyer that got to fire a tomahawk at somebody. So that was kind of a pride thing. Okay, but uh. Yeah. Uh, the Ooh. second deployment I made on that ship was, uh, we called it a smooth cruise. Basically, right. we, we were there to fly the American flag and be seen in the Mediterranean. And that's pretty much all we did was we bounced from port to port to port and uh, had a lot of VIPs on board. We were in camp. Yeah, it was in 1999. I only remember that because we we took a train to Paris and the Eiffel Tower had the countdown clock on it. Oh, wow. For the millennium. But, uh, we went to So Canada you spent the millennium in Paris? Uh, no, it, we were there. I don't even remember what time of year it was, but it was, I think it was in like June, but it was of 1999. So they were getting ready for it? Yeah, pretty much. Nice. Uh, we were in Cannes, France for the film festival. All right. Or cons, however, I'm not still don't know the right way to say that. Uh, what? What's that? Oh, sorry, I didn't quite catch what you said there. Sorry. Uh, I I don't know whether you got it's pronounced cans or cons, France. I, well, I, I still haven't figured uh, that one out. <laughs> but we were you there can do that for the film festival. Uh, so did you get to see much there then? Oh uh, yeah, we actually got to see a lot of celebrities there. Uh, we went to the release, the movie at the time that was big was, uh, Ronin. Uh, All right. Okay. The, the Barbarian. And nope. The, right? the, the, uh, the one with, uh, I think it's De Niro and those guys, the, the, it was the big heist movie. All right. Okay. But we left Cannes, France and took some, uh, 
riders, VIPs, with us down to Villefranche, France, and dropped them off. And then we found out uh, that they'd filmed one of the major scenes right in Villefranche. So part of our fun thing was we stood on the corner where they filmed one of the scenes and drank beer. So, <laughs> so the VIPs, anyone worth worth name dropping? Uh, not that I can't remember their names. I was so low on the totem pole. I, we just knew that it was time to clean the ship and make things nice because somebody important was coming. All right. Okay. So they didn't, you know, do the, the whistle stop tour and meet everyone. Uh, no, gonna just a... it, basically what happens is they let them go to certain areas and, uh, they hosted cocktail hour once you're in port tied up and, Everybody wears their nice clothes, and I wasn't part of that. So, so we're leaving France. Where's Where's the next stop? Uh, actually, we were supposed to go to Palma de Mallorca. Okay. Uh, which in the Navy was always known as a huge party spot. <laughs> um, and actually, I met a girl from uh, England. The first time I went there. But anyways, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so everybody was looking forward to going to Palma because it, it was considered the party spot at the time. And I remember specifically, we were all sitting around and the captain came over the announcement system and he said he had some bad news and some good news. And he said, the bad news is I've canceled Palma. And you could literally hear 300 people on the ship going, Oh my God. <laughs> and he says, uh, but everybody calm down. We're not going there because there's going to be a couple other ships there and it's not a very big Island. So I've scheduled us to go to, uh, man, I cannot think of the name of it, but it's the party place now in the med, uh, um, let's think. Uh, was it was it the one you just said there, Mallorca? No, it's it's down by Palma. It, it's it's where everybody goes nowadays over there, where all the big parties and the DJ things happen. And it's it's a it's I think it's an island that's down there, and I cannot think of the name of it. I know that the area that with all the clubs was called San Antonio. All right. Okay. So. Um... It'll be, sorry. I wish I could think of it. Ibiza. Ibiza, yes. Yeah. He said, uh, so I canceled Palma, but we're going to Ibiza. And everybody's like, Ibiza? What's Ibiza? Never even heard of it before. (laughs) So we pulled into Ibiza and uh, I did what I did a lot of times. I would volunteer to take duty or work the first day in port because I'd let everybody else go out and find the good spot. All right, okay. And people were coming back to the ship and like, oh, this place stinks, this sucks, you know, there's nothing good here, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And the next day, as I was getting ready to leave the ship to go out in town, a couple guys came running down the pier and they're like, we found it! We found it! We're like, what are you talking about? They're like, dude, go out here, ask the cab to take you to where the clubs are. They'll do it for free. Because the clubs were paying the cabs to bring you to San Antonio. Okay. So you'd take the cab over to San Antonio, you get there, and that's where all the bars were. Uh, it's the first time I ever went to a foam party. All right. 
uh, so, and it was definitely the happening spot. So is this post millennium now? Uh, no, this is still before. Okay, still in ninety nine. So what age? What age are you at this point? Uh, ooh, ninety nine. I was twenty seven. All right. Okay. So my age now. Um. So what? You know what? What was? What was your aim there? You know, were you just out? You know, to party, have a bit of fun. Uh, so it's interesting. What what we did a lot was we always, you know, and it all depends on the people that you're with. Uh, different yeah. people have different wants to what they want to do. But I, uh, the group that I hung out with, we always set aside at least one day in a new port to go and explore. So we would try and rent a car, drive around, see the sites, go hit up the hotspots, this, that, the other, and uh, then go the next yeah, night go out to the party scene and hopefully you didn't imbibe in too many spirits and you were able to get up and move the next day so you could go explore more so when when you was was when you were in port were you still staying on the ship or were you staying off the ship or? uh it depended on the port uh what the security environment was uh you know if uh, some ports, well, all ports, you had to go out with at least one other person uh, okay. as part of the rules. Uh, the Some ports, you were allowed overnight liberty where you could get a hotel and stay out overnight. Uh, other ports, that you weren't allowed that. You had to come back to the ship. So what what would have happened if you had went out and you'd, you know, you'd, you'd met a lady and, you know, what would have happened there? If you did what? If you had met someone. Oh, uh, then you would either, if you were had overnight liberty and you're able to stay out all night, you'd do whatever you wanted to do. If you had to go back to the ship, you'd just try and set it up to meet them the next day. Hmm. Okay. Um, so wh- one of my next questions there was, you know, um, did you when you when you landed, you know, or when you docked? Sorry. Um, you know, did you travel out by yourself? Did you go in groups? But you said you had to always be with with one person. Yeah, at least one other uh, sailor you had to be with. Uh, and some ports uh, that got higher. There were some ports where it was three to four in a group you had to be, and it was all based on the threat of that area. So, one of the things that happens before you pull into port on a navy ship is you get a port brief. Uh, Sometimes the ambassador comes out and gives you a brief or gives the captain a brief on here's the current security uh, setting for here, here what the threats are, et cetera, et cetera. Other times uh, you get it from security from the Navy. They'll, they'll pass it on to you. And then they come up with the Liberty policies. Hey, you have to be back by this time. Hey, you can do overnight. Hey, you can't do overnight. You need to have one person with you. You have to have three or four people with you, et cetera. Uh, We pulled, we anchored out in Athens, Greece. And I think it was the year before, actually it was in 99. We anchored out in Athens, Greece and the security threat was so high that we were not allowed to go out in town. So we just oh, really? anchored out and had a big barbecue for like four days out in the uh, 
bay. Uh, so, so did you did you ever try and you know and sneak out kind of thing, or was it you know you did what you were told and? Oh you know, no! Was... I mean, you know, you, you get out in town, and they have places that are off limits. Uh, wow. You can't go to this place. Maybe the security's high in that place. You know, the threat is, or maybe it has rather nefarious bad people doing illegal bad things. And of course, being a sailor, that's the first place you want to go. You just can't get caught. Okay. Um. So, out, you know, outside of the, you know, the traveling in the the navy, you know, what what other passions did you have? You know, when you were when you were out and about. Uh. So. In the navy, you know. Uh, it's funny when I retired, my wife was ex-wife now was making fun of me because, uh, you know, I was so worried about retiring. I said, listen, I've been doing this for more than half my life. Imagine halfway through your life. Somebody says you have to change jobs. You can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Start over. Uh, one of the things that I did pick up in 2005 is I do woodworking. All right. Uh, so that's my primary hobby that I have. I have a motorcycle. Just got a new one not long ago, actually. So nice. that's nice to uh, get out and ride and release some stress. But I, I do a lot of woodworking. Uh, if it's made out of wood and it's in my house, I probably made it. So, so you just make everything or do you make specialist things? Or? Uh, I, I dabble in a little bit of everything. I made uh, the guy who got me into woodworking, tore down an old barn and gave me the wood so that I could make my spouse a uh, farm table. So I made her a farm table out of 200-year-old barn wood. Wow. Uh, I've made a couple of coffee tables out of slab wood. I've made some entertainment centers. Uh, do, you just, do you just do it for a like hobby, or do you, know, do you sell any of your stuff? Or? Uh, primarily as a hobby, I have sold a couple of things. I sold a couple of tables. Uh and actually, somebody wants me to make them a coffee table. The, the biggest problem I run into is because I don't do it as a business. Most of the yeah. people who ask me to make things are friends. And then it becomes hard to price something because I don't want to <laughs> overprice it. But I still have to make it worth doing. You're well, yeah. So let's come back to the traveling a little bit. So, uh, you know, you're 24 years, you've been around the world. You must have one moment that, you know, you've had the, you, you've, you've had that, you know, that, that hit in the chest. The most, what's the most breathtaking moment that you've had while traveling? So, when I was growing up, my dad was a farmer, but when you can't farm during the winter, he would drive truck to make money. Okay. And he, I used to ask him, he always complained about it. And I used to ask him, why do you drive a truck if all you're going to do is complain about it? And he says, because when you're out on the open road, you'll see sunrises and sunsets that other people will never see in their life. And at one point on one of the deployments, we used to go up on deck at night. And if it was nice out and we would just, a bunch of us would just sit out and talk and BS. And he, he just... <laughs> sit there and I can remember one night specifically sitting out on the deck 
just staring up, looking at the stars. And I had that moment that my dad always talked about. I, I, I told the people around me, I said, you realize we are sitting here doing something and looking at something that almost nobody else will ever see or has seen. And it was just a starry night that was a perfect night in the middle of the Mediterranean. Actually, this might have been the Persian Gulf. <laughs> and it was just a gorgeous night where it, it was awesome. As far as a trip goes, uh, we went to Romania and took a tour to Transylvania. And I got to go to okay. one of... Uh, Dracula, quote unquote, castle. <laughs> that was but a it wasn't, awesome one. It wasn't. A, it wasn't your. Um, you know your your night into the stars. Uh no, that was definitely the biggest moment for me. The the stop and contemplate life and enjoy the time and moment. Night. Sounds amazing. So. Let's take away from the you know the best time, and you know let's let's you know dive a little bit deeper and you know what what's the scariest moment that you've had you know while traveling? Um. Well, without getting into my job, well, uh, one place that I went was in Djibouti, Africa, and mm-hmm. as I said before, it's the armpit of the world. Uh, it's just it smells bad. It's hot. there's nothing there to see except containers and people that just don't like you. Most likely I don't suggest anybody goes there. So, I mean, is it just, you know, when you were there, did you find it unwelcoming? You know, was it? Well, we, when the military's there, you can't leave the fenced area without having an armed guard. It's just not. It's a not a nice place. So when when was the last time that you were there? Uh, we stopped there twice. It, it's a stop going through the Suez Canal, uh, or it used to be, I should say. Uh, ships stop there, take on stores, get fuel, and do stuff like that. Uh, throw away trash. Uh huh. So the last time I was there was probably in 99. Okay. So do you think, you know, I know you're saying that, you know, it's not somewhere you would recommend, but, you know, if you've spoken to anyone that's been there recently, you know, is it possible that it's changed a bit? Is it? Uh, actually, the job that I was working after retiring, uh, we would, well, some of our guys would go there to work on boats. And it oh. has not changed. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 made that you know the the scariest moment for you, you know throughout uh, traveling, I, you know with the experience that you had, or I guess I can't say it's really the scariest moment. It's just, I guess, most worst, worst places I I've been. Okay. Uh, I can't so, really think of any place that I'll talk about that I've been that was really scary. Okay. Um, so let's let's move away from that. So, you know, when you're out in the ships and you're, you know, you're going from place to place, you know, one of the questions that, you know, when I was doing a bit of research 
people were wondering about, you know, was 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 money. So, you know, you're getting paid when when you're out, you know, on your deployments with the navy. You know how did how did that work? So, I mean, did you just you know exchange all your money when you arrived to a new place, or you know, would you? Did you hold like stock of money on the ship, but you know you could withdraw from, or it's you know, so. So the navy, you know, they they always take money with them so they can pay for things. So uh, when we would pull into port, they would they'd use a husbanding agent to come out and uh, you know tell us about tours that were set up, and they would come out with a, a money exchange. So the the military or the Navy specifically had always arranged for a money exchange that had a good rate for exchange. Uh, the biggest thing we'd run into is if you get out in town, you run out of the local money, you know, you kind of get screwed trading your money, exchanging it for local money yeah. or even worse, you use American money and you really get messed over because you can't do the math in your head of the exchange. rate. <laughs> so, uh, on the ship, yeah, we we would exchange the money with a uh, currency person. Now, what they would tell us a lot in the Navy was if you're going to get money from an, out in town, use an ATM because you're going to get the bank's rate and not get gouged like you might get at a money exchange. Yeah. So to either go to a bank and exchange your money or use an ATM in town to pull out money. Now, be careful when you do that, because you may think that you're pulling out. Uh, what's your guy's currency over there? Uh, we are on the British pound. OK, so if and I don't know what the numbers are for the pound versus American money, but let's say the pound is worth, you know, 500 American dollars is, let's just say, a thousand pounds. So I think I'm pulling out $500, but it's in pounds and I pull out 500 pounds. So, you know, you have to be careful of how you pull that money out, what you do with it. The other problem is that I've found is you need to watch your surroundings anytime you're at those ATMs using it. Because depending on where you are, there are always crappy people in the world. Somebody may be standing back waiting for you to pull out a large amount of cash and then do bad things to get your money. Okay. Um, but I always, so depending on the port that we would go to, like uh, if you go to Turkey, Turkey is a very uh, bartering type system. Right, you go to the markets and whatnot. You're expected to barter with them for items that you may want. So uh, I I never use my card at the markets because that's just not the smart thing to do. You never know who's going to end up with your card. Yeah. But you walk in there, you would leave the ship with a hundred American dollars in your pocket, a couple of Zippo lighters, a ball cap, this that the other. <laughs> And you'd come back with a ton of stuff that was really cool, but is probably only worth about 10 bucks. But, you know, it, you go out with cash in your pocket so that you're always able to pay for cash unless it was at a place you knew was a legitimate business that you could swipe your card and not have to worry about getting ripped off. 
Which, you know, must be quite difficult, you know, you're out and about, you know, you, you've never been to these places before, you know, unless you're returning, you know, so, I mean, there must have been a couple of times where, you know, you've been close to being scammed, or you've maybe been, you know, you've had someone on the ship that's been scammed. Uh, yeah, there were, uh, you know, the, of course, the big thing for sailors a lot of times is uh, going to bars. So there were guys that would come back and you'd hear stories, horror stories, you know, about, hey, I just looked at my bank account and there's $5 in it. I was supposed to have $5,000 and come to find out they'd use their card at the bar to pay their tab at the end of the night and the bar just kept on using it. So, you know, it's you had to be careful. Uh, A lot of times it's a judgment call, but it's it. you know, on average, most businesses that I've found in my travels aren't out to try and screw you over. Uh, it's not the big businesses you have to worry about. It's the little vendor on the street and, yeah. you know, the guy that's trying to scrape by and make money and here's an opportunity. So when you were, you know, when you, when you were traveling about, you know, from place to place, you know, was there anything that you wanted from traveling or was there anything, you know, you wanted in particular from spending, you know, time in the Navy? You know, did you have a goal at the end of it, you know? Well, my my time in the Navy, the biggest thing that I wanted from it was to have a retirement, (laughs) (laughs) which I got. Uh, A wise man once told me that the reason why people stay in the Navy for 20 years so they can retire is so that they had that extra paycheck so they can take a job they enjoy more that pays less and still be able to survive. Uh, I, what did I want from travel? I honestly wanted to get out and see the world. I was from nowhere, Nebraska, Uh, you know, grew up on a farm. I wanted to experience things and see things that I'd seen in books on TV. Mm -hmm. And I got to do a lot of that. I got to meet people that, uh, changed my thought process on the world itself. You know, not everybody out there is out to kill me because I'm American. And even in some of the areas that don't like Americans, that doesn't mean that everybody's out to kill you just because you're American. It, you know, it, and when it comes down to it, what I found out is in a lot of places, uh, and I'm sure this goes for just your average traveler, mm. uh, the the police and security and stuff like that are going to watch out for you on average because you're bringing income in and if all they need is one major incident and then that goes away because they get a name yeah so i mean it's kind of in their their best interest you know you know make sure nothing like that happens yeah yeah okay um so how many how many countries would you say that you've traveled to I could run through them right quick. Uh, let's see: Greece, Turkey, Romania, Bulgaria, Transylvania, uh, Italy, Spain, France, Portugal, uh, whatever Djibouti is, Bahrain, Qatar, Kuwait. Uh, Australia. We went to one of the islands off Australia, which was really nice, and I can't remember the name of it. Seychelles, Singapore, 
uh, Guam, which I guess is part of the United States. Uh, Remember you said Ireland earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it did. Stop, we were flying back, stopped in Ireland long enough to change planes, and I did drink a Guinness in Ireland. I was just going to say that. Did you get a Guinness? I had to get a Guinness <laughs> in Ireland. My beer of choice. I'm not a big beer guy, so uh, if I'm going to drink beer, Guinness has always been my beer. And there, <laughs> there you can get it on tap with nitrogen. Over here, most of the places, they just use CO2. Uh, so that's the difference that everyone talks about. Yep. Nitrogen is the difference. Uh, Germany. Uh, so I, I make that out to be around about 20. Uh, probably, yeah, ish. And then multiple places inside those countries. You know, Greece, I've been to Rhodes, Kos, Corfu. Italy, I've been to Sicily, I've been to Naples, I've been to Gaeta, uh, and someplace else. France, I've been to Villefranche, Paris, uh, Toulon. I was supposed to go to Barcelona for the uh, Olympics, but that was uh-huh. when I, I broke my neck, and I was in the States watching them, the ship in the harbor on the TV. So, so you could have had, had your 15 minutes of fame there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did go to Monaco. Uh, nice. We were we were there, I think, a week, week and a half before the Grand Prix. They had the course set up, but there weren't any cars racing. I found I was only twenty at the time, and they wouldn't let me into the casino because I wasn't twenty one. I didn't like that. <laughs> I was like, "This is Europe." I didn't think you guys had age limits on things like drinking or gambling. They're like, "Yes, we do." I was like, "Okay, fine." Um, well yeah of course because it's 21 in america so when you come over here you know at that younger age right it would have been open to you to you know to have that you know that drink and yeah it must have been quite difficult when you go back home you know if you've been out partying you've had a a drink and you know in the boat yeah you get back home and you can't get a drink or anything anywhere yep and you know that's part of the big argument right now is that uh you know, you're old enough to go to war, serve your country at 18, even 17, but you're not old enough to go drink beer. Uh, and they're talking about, or maybe they already did it, uh, making so that you can't buy tobacco until you're 21 now, too. So, you know, people who smoke and I, I will say in the military in general, smoking, drinking is probably at a higher rate. It's funny. I hear college kids talk about how their college years they were so drunk and nobody could hang with them and I just kind of laugh <laughs> but you know uh, and on United States Navy ships we don't allow alcohol I know on Brit ships uh, a lot of the foreign French ships they have they're allowed to have alcohol on the ship uh, the United States ships they are not so, so is that is that still in place, that rule? You know, has it always been in place? Or? No. Uh, so actually there was, uh, I think it was Secretary of the Navy, Josephus Daniels. Uh, they had a cruiser named after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, JD is short for Josephus Daniels. The other thing that JD goes with is Jack Daniels. So the ship always flew the Jack <laughs> Daniels flag. 
Okay. Uh, have you heard of coffee being called a cup of Joe? Yep. That comes from Josephus Daniels because he outlawed alcohol on naval ships. So the strongest thing you could get was a was cup coffee. of coffee. So it became a cup of Joe. So did you ever try and sneak a bit on? on oh, yeah. Head? All the time. <laughs> did you just get away with it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what would happen? What kind of thing would happen if you got caught? Oh, if you got caught, you get in trouble. Uh, they could bust you down in rank. They could uh, restrict you to the ship, not allow you to go out uh, when you're in port. Even when you come back home, they could keep you on the ship. Oh, uh, It's only for a certain amount of time. But uh, busting you down in rank is probably the worst part. They could take you away money from you, etc. When I think about, you know, getting a punishment in, in the Navy, that kind of thing, you know, I just think, of, you know, like, oh, we're going to make you clean the decks and, you know, do a thousand setups, you know, kind of thing. No, yeah, you I do that. Know. You clean anyways. Eh? The, that's not a punishment. That's just normal. <laughs> we used to that's say we were the highest paid janitors in the world. So. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you, you spoke about the countries you've been to, um, and we spoke about, you know, about so, uh, North, was it North, Af- South, North Africa, Djibouti, you said, yeah. sorry. Um, we'd spoke a bit about, you know, you've been there before, but, you know, is there any places that you've, you've went to initially and then you've returned to, but, you know, you must have been able to see a difference in, you know, whether it be, you know, the buildings, whether it be, you know, the, the people that the way they're treating, you know, individuals, the way you were received. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I could tell you probably the biggest one, and it's one of the most obvious ones, is Dubai. Okay. Uh, I can remember going to, pulling into Dubai in like 94, 95, and it was just, uh, there were barbed wire around the area that we were at, and you didn't go into the city. Uh, and then I think the last time I was in Dubai was about two years ago, year and a half ago. And it's amazing. I would highly suggest, yeah, I suggest you don't go to Djibouti. If you get the chance, I suggest you do go to Dubai. It's an amazing experience and, uh, it's a good chance to get a piece of Arabic culture without being overwhelmed by it. So, you know, when the first time you went there, you know, what was it like? You know, you pulled into port. Uh, It it was hot and there was nothing there. (laughs) And the last time I went there, it, 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 what's the best way to put it, I guess would be, it has grown in leaps and bounds and it rivals any major other major city in the world. Well, both, so that's... both in size, technology, it, it, it's it's it really is an awesome place. So, you know, how how far apart was your, you know, your journeys there? Did you say sorry? Um, so the first time I went there was in like 94, 95. Okay. And the last time I went there was like a year and a half, 2 years ago. So you know, it's it's not a it's not a, a massive period of time. But, you no, know, it's right. It's Dubai has grown so fast. I think that not the last time I was there, but the last time I was there with the Navy uh, in two thousand twelve, maybe two thousand eleven. Uh, 
the word on the street was Dubai was growing so fast. They were the largest uh, users of cranes because uh-huh. they were building so many buildings and highways and everything. And it's, it's, it's just amazing seeing the turnaround, especially in such a short time. Wow. I mean, um, I, I personally have never been, I know a couple of people that have been, you know, but nobody that can say I went before and, you know, I can see the difference now and it, it must be something, you know, that, you know, very few people that travel have seen. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly something. Um, so, right now, you're back in the US. You know, you spoke about, you know, you still do a wee bit on the, the boats. Um, you got you got plans to travel anywhere next? Uh, probably no time soon. <laughs> uh, my youngest, <coughs> excuse me, will graduate in... I think it's four years. Once she graduates from out here, my plan is to move out to Colorado and permanently retire. It's just a beautiful state. Uh, there are politics I can ignore, but uh, it's a beautiful state, and it's where I always wanted to live. Anything you want to do, you can do there with the exception of salt. So no salt water. But uh, I, if there are places that I would like to go back to, I'd love to go back to Paris. Uh, we were there and decided on a whim to go to the Louvre Museum uh-huh. one day. And by the end of the day, what I realized was one day is not nearly enough time to do the Louvre. You, I mean, you pretty much need one day per wing to see everything and appreciate it. Wow. So we, um, myself, my wife, and um, you know, my little girl, we're... Um, going to Paris in October. Um, we're going to Disneyland. We're doing a bit of the touristy stuff. Um, you know, my, it's a surprise for my little girl, so I hope she can't hear me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so she she doesn't know about it. Um, you know, but when we get there, you know, we've, we've planned it, you know, doing a bit of the Eiffel Tower, you know, the usual kind of touristy stuff. But yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I've not I've not done Paris before, um, so anything you can recommend, you know, I'll be more than more than open to. Um, obviously, the Louvre might be a different different situation with with a five year old or six year old at the time. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, I, I if you haven't been to Paris uh, or you, you aren't going to go back anytime soon, I would suggest going to the Louvre. Just do a quick run through. And what it will do is it will, and I am not a artsy uh, type of guy, a museum kind of guy, really. Uh, but I, it gave me a real big appreciation for what they had, what the history behind it and whatnot. So I highly suggest going, even if you just go and kind of blow through and, you know, see, do a quick view of it. The biggest thing mm-hmm. that I can remember from Paris was, we were amazed because we were only there, I think, for two days. And we okay. were amazed at how easy it was to navigate the city using the subways. All right, okay. And we Because we didn't have rental cars. We took a sleeper train from Villefranche up to Paris. Uh, we stayed in a hotel for two nights. And then we took a, a bullet train back. But it 
rather than using taxis to get everywhere, we saved a ton of money. We just bought a pass for the subway and you could figure everything out by just looking at the signs for the subway. So it was really easy to get around. And as an American hearing a lot of the preconceived notions of Paris and <clears throat> the way French people take Americans as that the other <laughs> I, I really I didn't run into that. I, I didn't find anybody being disrespectful to me or the people that I was with. Everybody was friendly and that's pretty much just about everywhere I've went. But it it, it really changed my mindset on how uh foreigners specifically those in uh Paris were so you know I know you're saying you want to you know move to Colorado you know retire you know properly um do you think you'll ever start traveling again or do you know do you think that's you you know you've done your your traveling and oh no I'm I'll never quit traveling uh my <laughs> my goal is to one day be able to travel and uh even though my girls are getting older and whatnot, I'd love to take them to places that I've seen that I really enjoyed, you know, the St. Martin's, the Halifax, Nova Scotia, Paris, Dubai, places like that. Even yeah. uh, Bulgaria, God, Bulgaria was awesome too. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, it, I can only really think of one place that I've been that I would not take my kids to, and that's Djibouti. <laughs> How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving on to the next part, you know, I've um, I've got you know all my questions. You know, I was speaking to my little girl about you know doing the podcast and you know finally get up and running. So she's she's got a question for you. Okay. Um, now I would you know normally I'd like to you know either have her here or you know pre-recorded, uh, but it was a little bit of a rush, you know, as we spoke about with issues with the PC and things like that over the last day. Um, so I'm I'm just going to ask you her question. That's fine. Um, so what is the most magnificent animal that you've seen on your travels? Most magnificent animal? <clears throat> um, well, that's a good question. um well i I would say on the ship the most magnificent was definitely uh dolphins Uh, they like to swim in the bow wake of the ships okay uh but uh, my favorite animal is a giraffe and i've seen a few of those at zoos and whatnot so i'm a big giraffe guy So the the next part, uh, first of all, thank you for for answering that for her. Um, so the the next part, you know, as as I can, you know, I sent over a bit of a briefing to you. Um, I'm gonna you know call and I'm doing air quotations here. Um, story time. Okay. So I want you to pick one place um, that you've been. You know, can I tell us in detail from start to finish? You know what you did when you arrived. You know. Somewhere that you would recommend that people, you know, need to go. Absolutely. Uh, so I already kind of mentioned it, uh, and that would be 
uh, I don't really know anything about Romania. We pulled into Romania and we went on a tour to Transylvania. But what I can tell you is in order for the ship to get to the port in Romania, you have to, it's actually quite awesome. The ship goes up through the mountains, the uh, ocean or the sea goes up through some mountains and you have mountains on either side of you as you transit up to the port. Uh, we got to the port and the port is in the middle of nowhere and it's a, <laughs> it's a major shipping port. But like I said, we, they had set up tours for us. We could, you know, pay a little bit of money and go on a tour. And I took a tour to go see one of Dracula's castles and we got on the bus. We left and as we jo- drove through Romania, the countryside was just beautiful and awesome. Uh, we stopped at some palace, some place that had the largest uh, unflawed mirror in the world. And they told us <laughs> the whole history behind that, how it had to be transported and it didn't get broke, yada, yada. Uh, and we ended up getting to Transylvania and coming to this castle. And what amazed me was because I've seen probably a hundred different Dracula movies. But as we pulled up into the lot for the castle, everybody's like, where's it at? And they're like, right there on top of the hill. And we're like, that isn't it. That can't be it. It's white. <laughs> Aren't all Dracula's castles black? You know, and, and it was in my first time being in a real castle per se. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, we got out of the bus, we walk up the hill, we get to the castle and everybody's walking around for the tour, you know, pushing on the wall to try and find the fake doors and this, that, the other. Uh, <laughs> but of course, they told us the, the real history behind Vlad the Impaler, uh, where the uh, the story behind how it evolved into Dracula came about and so on and so forth. And then at the end of the day, we got back on the bus and we rode back, but it was, it was very, very cool to see the countryside. You know, I've been in the desert. Uh, I've been in farmland. I've been in Italy, all these other places, but it was a different look at things uh, to see. And it was, it's a very, at least the part we were in in Romania was very mountainous area, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. Brilliant. Um, so, moving on uh, again to you know another kind of segment I'm looking to develop over time. Um, so, I'm going to fire some some quick fire questions at you. All right. Yep. Um. I don't want you to think about them. I don't. I just want you to, you know, first thing that comes to your head. Gotcha. All right. So, Scott, travel essentials. Uh, an extra set of clothes, including underwear, in your uh, carry-on. Okay. Uh, hometown. Uh, McCook, Nebraska. Uh, your favorite food. Uh, Mexican burritos. Your favorite country? The United States of America. Uh, I don't know if I can let you have that one. It has to be one that you've traveled into. Uh, 
I would have to, well, that I've traveled to or I want to go to? Travel to. Oh, uh, travel to? Uh, probably Bulgaria. Okay. Um, your, the best way to relax when traveling? <laughs> sure you want that answer? Booze. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, your favorite song and artist? Uh, Slipknot, Psychosocial. Okay. Uh, favorite drink? Crown Royal. Favorite movie? Heat. Uh, favorite TV show or season? Ooh, tough one. Time's a ticking. Quick fire. Uh, the no. Ranch. <laughs> the Ranch. Okay. And uh, can you speak any other languages? Uh, I can order beer in quite a few different languages. <laughs> uh, I can say no hablo espreconzi francais. <laughs> and that's about it. I know pig okay. Latin. Okay. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for my questions. Um Really, I just want to thank you for, for, for coming on the show today, uh, or the show, the podcast, um, for being the first guest on The Static Traveller. Um, if you, you know, do you have any, you know, Twitter handles, any, you know, YouTube channels, social media thing, outlets, you know, that you want to share with the guys today? I don't. I, I'm, I'm really technically not inclined. My kids give me guff about it constantly. They're on the Twitter gram or whatever it is, and I don't know anything about that. Well, uh, again, as I say, I just want to thank you for for coming on and you know spending this time with me today. I know there's a bit of a time difference, and I appreciate you know you finished work a bit early today, uh, so it would really help me out of mind, especially because I'm working tomorrow morning. <laughs> um, so. Again, thank you for coming on. I just want to remember all the listeners um, to subscribe to the podcast, uh, to like the Facebook page and the Instagram account. The links will be all in the description below. Um, I would say along with any links of, of Scott's, but again, he's a bit of a, a technophobe, as he self-proclaimed there. Um, <laughs> he doesn't really have any of that thing. Um, again, if, if you want to you know, feature on The Static Traveller, please get in touch by sending me a, a private message on the Static Travelers Facebook page or the, the Instagram account. Um, but until then, you keep travelling and I'll stay static. Thank you very much. Thank you.